0: Welcome to Sports Talk with R and J. I'm your host, Steve Risser, along with my co-host Justin D'Anafrio. And we got another loaded show today. I mean, we get, obviously the baseball playoffs are in full swing. Uh the NFL season's in, in full swing, even though there's COVID issues going on. We got college football in week six. We got we got a lot of top 25 matchups in that. But we got to start in the NBA. We got to start with the Lakers and the Heat. And we got to start with, with what happened last night. And last night showed you that. The more experienced team and the team with the two best players usually wins in the NBA, and and, and the Lakers proved that last night. LeBron with 28, AD with 22. AD came out in the fourth quarter. I mean, but Jimmy Butler had uh, 22 as well, and Tyler Hero had 21. But like I said when we previewed the series last week, the, the, in the NBA when you have the two best players in the series you usually win and the lakers are absolutely proving that in this series and 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 they even got a third player to step up last night with uh, Caldwell Pope he had 15 points it's some huge huge shots for the lakers in that series but the way it's looking right now it's looking like the lakers are on their way to their uh, 17th championship it looks like lebron's on his way to his uh his fourth uh on his way to get in his fourth ring and it looks like it's the uh it looks like a. Anthony Davis is on his way to get, is on his way to getting his first ring, and he asked for this. He wanted to get he wanted to trade out of New Orleans. He ended up going to the Lakers, and he has completely delivered for the Lakers this season. Justin, yeah, yeah,
1: um, yeah. the late yeah um, this year. I just you know did he just don't have enough firepower without you know with you know and, and losing Bam out of bio too um, for a couple games really you know hurt as well, and Dragic, So, yeah, you know, Davis and, and LeBron have just been the big difference makers. You know, they, they had uh, 34 of their 50 points combined in the second half last night. Um, and the only way the Heat have a chance is the way that Butler played Sunday night when he had the triple-double. That's the only way the Heat have a shot. Butler has to, you know, that's the only way. And he can't do that night in, night out. You can't, you know, and, and they just don't have enough firepower to match this Lakers team. And if you asked me, or, you know, I was saying this, you know, when we were previewing last week, I thought if the Heat could kind of keep it like they did last night, like, uh, you know, right low 100s, I figured they could probably steal those games. They just haven't been able to done it, do it. And in game three, you know, they had a bunch of opportunities to put them away, you know, they, or increase their lead. They never really did. I know they end up winning by 11, but there's just too much firepower in this Lakers team for the Heat.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and, and a lot of people uh, should have seen that before the series started. I mean, as people were comparing the Heat to the 0-4 Pistons, I, I didn't really like that comparison. And That's just a different era of the NBA, 2004 to, two, to uh, 2020, and and, I, and it's just showing in the series. I mean, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, th- those guys are amazing, and 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 in the Heat, they compete. I give Pat Riley credit. He has a team that's out there competing. But they're just not on the level of, of the Lakers. The Lakers are just on a whole other level than pretty much pretty much anyone in the East. Maybe the Bucks, uh, if Giannis was healthy, could compete with them. But they pretty much were on another level of anyone in the East. And really, the only team in the West that was really on their level was the Clippers. But they, uh, but pretty much they choked and they didn't and they didn't get there. And that's why they that's why they that's why they're gonna have a new head coach because they didn't meet, they didn't meet expectations the way the Lakers did. So I mean, I think you know last night obviously last night showed more experienced team beat a heat team that you know has potential i mean jimmy they're, they're still gonna have jim butler there for a while uh bam out of bio and tyler here are just gonna get better i think the heat in the future are definitely going to be a championship contender and they're here to stay in the eastern conference but they're just not ready and I, I really and i have a ton of respect for the heat they're the best organization in the entire league but they're not ready to compete with an elite team yet because they just don't have elite talent they have a, a, they have a great coach eric Spoelstra. they have Probably the best executive in the game in Pat Riley, but they just don't have elite talent. And that's why they're probably gonna be done on Friday night.
1: Yeah, I'm totally with you. They you know, they add a couple more pieces, they get another draft pick, they get some more experience. And yeah, this this team that definitely the Heat definitely have a, another chance to win a couple of rings with this core group of guys that they have right now. But yeah, right now you're just going up against just a better team at the moment with you know, LeBron and A D. And they just don't have enough right now. I totally agree with you. You know, this Heat team's going to be going um, uh, to the side of the Bucks, the Raptors, the Celtics in the Eastern Conference. And don't early. forget about the Nets
0: either, with yeah, uh, uh, with, too, yeah. with with yeah. Durant and Kyrie. Yeah,
1: you yeah. know, almost forgot them. And uh, yeah, so yeah, you know, they they're right there. Need a little bit more experience, and this Lakers team just yeah, just a little bit too much for them.
0: Yeah, now now, now that we know the Lakers are probably going to win that series uh the, the the series we probably have to think of like what is lebron's place in history if he, he's probably going to win his fourth ring you're thinking right now i think he's pretty much cemented himself on being the second best player of all time i mean if you, if you look at him 10 nba finals four rings yes there'll be the debate with jordan They once they when they win whenever they win the nba finals this debate will happen the debate between uh the, the debate the debate between uh lebron and jordan this this will happen but for me, I'm not going to start that debate. I'm just going to say, for me, LeBron James is definitely the second best player because of the way he makes guys around him better, uh, and, and the way he could score. He pretty much can do could do everything on on the court, and that's why I have him as the second best player of all time. And I think he is a little bit of a better player than Kobe Bryant just because of the way that uh, that that uh, that LeBron distributes the ball. But this, but it's but to me, I don't want to get into the Kobe, you know, LeBron debate, MJ LeBron debate. I think we should just be celebrating LeBron's accomplishments and how great of a player he is and how much of a difference he makes on teams. I mean, the Lakers were, were a team that missed the playoffs six years in a row. They get LeBron and AD. Now they're gonna, they're probably going to be NBA champions. So I think we should be celebrating that. And I, and I think uh, this, this LeBron-AD combination worked worked better than anybody could have expected. I mean, and the biggest reason why is neither one of those guys needed to be the number one guy. They didn't mind being 1A and 1B. And it's worked and it's worked out perfectly, and that's why they're probably going to win a championship.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so I agree with you. I I also have Jordan one, LeBron two. I just think what Jordan did with the six rings, um, you know, and just a different era that Jordan yeah, played Obama in. Too. And LeBron um, is built like nobody else has been like he. You know, it would have been interesting to see LeBron play in Jordan's era to see how you know he would have done with the way he's built, but. I think with Jordan, he still has the six titles, so I, I still got to take Michael Jordan over LeBron. Um, but I put LeBron right there number two, and I think this has been LeBron's. I think AD has been Le- LeBron's best teammate. They really have just because because Le- AD is a big man. He's a good he's a good facilitator. You know, he's a decent shooter. Um, he's a great rebounder. He's a great scorer. You know, and he's tough to defend inside on on you or on the block. Um, so I think it really had, you know, um, cause he's just so, you know, and I know kind of all these big guys now that are coming up are kind of turning into like, um, you know, more guards and I, you know, and very good facilitated, but you know, AD really does it well. I feel like when he brings it up, you know, a few times he brings it up place point, I think he does, you know, a really good job. I think this has been, um, LeBron's best teammate.
0: Oh, absolutely. If you want to compare him and D-Wade, D-Wade was an outstanding player. I'll give you that. But I feel like D-Wade uh, – the thing about the difference is, though, is Anthony Davis could beat you from all areas of the court. D-Wade could pretty much just beat you from his mid-range game and his three-point shooting game. Anthony Davis could beat you from everywhere on the court. That's why I would give Anthony Davis the edge over Dwayne Wade. Yeah, I
1: definitely agree because, you know, you know, um, yeah, you know, Dwayne Wade was a shooter – AD could you know shoot as well, but also just take you to the raft, you know, night in and night out, and it's so tough to really defend it's tough for most defenders, you know, to be able to slow him down one on one down there.
0: Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, he's pretty much he's pretty much on guard. It's very difficult to guard. One of the most difficult players to guard in the NBA. The way he, the way he gets the way he shoots the ball inside and the way he shoots the ball from the perimeter. But now that the series is coming to an end, have you have you changed your prediction to Lakers in five? Obviously, I'm sticking with Lakers in five. Have you changed your prediction of Lakers and five, or are you going to stick with Lakers in six?
1: I'm going to have to – I'm going to change the Lakers in five. Uh, I just – I don't – I. you know, the way, I, you know, hearing LeBron 80 kind of talk, I, I think they're going to be able to just put away in game, uh, game five on Friday night.
0: Yeah, and it's just going to be very fitting too. I mean, unfortunately, in the year where Kobe passes, the Lakers win the championship. So hearing that post game is going to be very emotional. And when they win, when they win the championship, the post game is going to be so emotional because they're pretty much playing for Kobe. They're, they they want to win this for Kobe Bryant. I mean, we had the unfortunate passing in January, but the Lakers can win a championship for him, and that would be a really, really great moment for the Laker organization. if They could do this for Kobe.
1: Yeah, it would it such in the year that's just been just has delivered bad news after bad news after bad news. This would kind of be like a feel-good story, and we really have not seen much of that so far in 2020. So yeah, it'd be a really good story. Um Yeah, and it'd be something good to happen in 2020.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. We need we need more things to happen good in 2020, and uh this would be really, really one of them if it happens. But we gotta shift over to the NFL and COVID continues to be an issue in the NFL. But we had breaking news today. We had Stefan Gilmore uh test positive for COVID nineteen. Uh we, uh, we uh, and, and now two more Titans players have tested positives positive, one Raiders player player, I think Maurice Hurst. He tested positive too. So, uh, but we will start with the Patriots and how this is really going to affect them. You know, there's no practice today. They played on Monday. Their game on Sunday is in major, major jeopardy against the Broncos. If it's going to be played on Sunday or if it's going to be played on Monday, we don't know when that game's going to be played. Uh, obviously, obviously, we had Cam Newton last week test positive, and that and that game on Sunday had to get shifted to Monday. But, yeah, it's just – it's coming becoming a major issue in the NFL, and it's becoming an issue with the Patriots, seeing what's going to end up happening with them this week.
1: Yeah, and I thought it was, you know, very irresponsible by the league to play that game Monday night because, as we saw, it, you know, we're even still seeing Titans test positive today, and the first one was last Monday. I thought it was really irresponsible from the NFL to play that game, um, especially because, you know – I don't know if you saw the picture, but Gilmore and, you know, Patrick almost shot after the game, you know. Um, you know, Gilmore, like, dabbed them up after the game. Um, so, you know, who knows? Maybe, you know, Pat Mahomes has it now. I don't – you never know. I, I just think it was a terrible idea. I know why they wanted to play it. They just kind of, you know, they want to move all – shift all the schedules around. Um, but, you know, for Sunday's game, I don't – you know, I don't know if they – you know, it, it'd be tough – because they haven't played again. Because um, who knows? You know, we're still seeing a trickle down effect from the Titans. You, we just don't know how. You know, I think it's good to just, probably postpone this. I know the Pats have a bye next week, so you know, make things a little crazy. I'm not sure with the Broncos. It's just um, everything going on with. Do you just see with the Titans? I think it's just best to just cancel the game or postpone it. And see if there's a way you could kind of schedule around, you know, and make it work and um, make up the game.
0: I think the NFL should be thinking of two things. One, they should add a last week of the season for all the games that get postponed due to COVID. Unfortunately, though, you could get multiple team multiple teams miss games due to COVID, so that plan might not work. But here's one plan that definitely will work: the NFL absolutely needs to have a bubble for the playoffs, or there's there could be they're not guaranteed to get to the finish line. The NFL needs to have a bubble. That's that's almost – that's obvious now. They should be working on that now, just like every other sport. uh, Obviously, the NBA and the NHL and the baseball played played in their home team stadiums during the season, but they went to a bubble for the playoffs. The NFL needs to go to a bubble for the playoffs. I think that's pretty obvious because you cannot have this happening when we're trying to play postseason games. This cannot happen during the postseason. No, you
1: can't. Um, Yeah, because it's just going to mess everything up. I heard um, – I was listening the other night. It was on Mad Dog Sports Radio. I think it was JD JT the Brick was saying he got a, you know, text from, you know, reliable source in the NFL saying that the, the thinking, right, the logic right now in the NFL is they're thinking of having a bubble just for the AFC and NFC championship game down in Tampa and then having them play the Super Bowl, you know, a week or two later. I don't, you know, I don't know if you could wait to the you know the championship weekend. You can't
0: wait till championship weekend. You got to do it right at the start of the playoffs.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, the only thing is, you know, because I did think of that, the only thing is, is there enough, um, you know, stadiums around where they're fitted to actually host NFL games where you have a couple of stadiums lying around right next to each other? Um, like, you know, maybe like L.A., though, because I know they have the Coliseum, they have the new stadium, so, you know, I don't – probably would need, you know, what? Two, three, field, you know, four fields. I don't know, you know, for the playoffs. Thinking about it, but I, I, you, you, they're going to have to do that. I feel like just like baseball, because and, and who knows, in the, when we get to the you now middle of flu season, of January, February, what's going to happen?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, th- th- this, this is not this is not going to be the first time this happens, and this will not be the last. They're really got to work through this, and the fact. It was risky for them not to go to a bubble. I know it's hard in football to go to a bubble, but it was risky for them not to go to a bubble. But they're seeing the effects of that right now. I mean, their schedule is going crazy. I mean, and they're trying to, trying to postpone games, move games. The schedule is going crazy. So, in the NFL, the, 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 the obvious the obvious answer is they're going to have to go to a bubble, and I think they're going to have to have a final uh, – just one last week just to make up all the COVID games.
1: Yeah, uh, I totally agree because, yeah, because we're kind of seeing it now – No. Somehow they got through three weeks of it without any problems and now it's certain all uh come back at them I think yeah you're gonna have to because they they said you know they would play the Super Bowl too like the last week of February so you still you know you still you know you have a few weeks in there to you know adjust things and start the playoffs later you have to so I, I, I definitely agree with yeah. you they're gonna have to add it because um you know who know you know who knows what tiebreakers and all that and you know if team um, eight and seven, you know, and you got all those tiebreakers of what could happen. And you, you definitely need all teams, everyone to play 16 games.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. 16 games have to be played. That, 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 that is a requirement that has to happen. No matter how the NFL gets there, if they add an extra week or two, they have to have every team playing 16 games. You can't have a team miss a playoff spot on an unplay game. That's not fair. Everyone's got to play the same amount of games. But we'll get to news of the week. And on Monday, the Texans fired head coach Bill O'Brien. Really doesn't come as, come as a surprise to anyone. We kind of expected this was going to happen. I mean, I think, you know, everybody's going to say, you know, oh, O'Brien wasn't that good of a coach O'Brien wasn't that good of a coach. That's nonsense. The guy won four division titles. He had five winning seasons. In uh in 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 his, in his first six years and his in his six and a half years as a head coach of the of the Texans, uh, and if you look at his first three years with the Texans, he went nine and seven. I know the division wasn't that good, but he went nine and seven three years in a row. And he, and look at the quarterbacks he had: Ryan Fitzpatrick, yeah, he's Fitzpatrick is decent, but that was probably the best quarterback he had out of the group. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Brian Hoyer, Brock Osweiler, Tom Savage. Uh, Ryan Mallet. very very hard to win in the NFL without a quarterback, and O'Brien you know, did a really good job his first, you know, three years in the, in the league doing it, and then obviously they end up trading up to, to uh, draft the Sean Watson, unfortunately in 2017, which was his only losing season outside of this one, and this he didn't even, and he only lasted a quarter of the quarter of the season this year. Uh, they were three and three, and then Watson tore his ACL. And they ended up going four and twelve, and then uh, then they had a they had. Then, then the last years of Deshaun Watson, he got to the playoffs twice, lost in the first round in 2018, and then last year they come back, win the playoff game, and we all remember he had that 24 nothing lead in the uh, in the divisional round against the Kansas City Chiefs. And then we all know when it was 24 seven, he had probably one of the worst, probably the worst call of his career when he ran that fake punt. That that was inexcusable. That completely turned the game around and pretty much turned around it. Pretty much started to turn around his time in Houston. And we all know the one move that pretty much, pretty much uh, got him fired. And that was trading DeAndre Hopkins for a first-round pick. He became a general manager. He's a terror. It should have never happened. The Texans never should have given him giving him that responsibility. He fought. He uh, he ends up uh, trading one of the probably the best receiver in football to the Cardinals and didn't even get a first-round pick for it. So that uh, was a horrible trade. And then I even heard reports after the first two weeks of the season he started to lose the team. So this had to happen. He he did he he did he did a good job in Houston, but the move for DeAndre Hopkins. And it resulted in, in the, pretty much resulted in the end of his career with the Texans.
1: Yeah, it did, and you know, and they traded their first and second pick, you know, for this year last year to Miami, and you know, and then yeah, then not getting it, went back to trading DeAndre Hopkins was you know a mistake. And, and in a league too where it's passing now, you know, it's like you need your top weapon to be successful. You know, you need a guy like Hopkins. Um, to help out, you know, in the passing game, he's one of the best wide receivers in the game, you know, and he's also kind of in. I, know, I really wanted to ask you, too. So I always really what would you think of Penn State because he was a big part of turning that. Play oh, through.
0: he he did a great, he did a great job at Penn State. If you should have seen, I mean, the talent really outside of Allen Robinson. I mean, he he's the reason Matt McLoone got to the NFL. A lot of the talent at Penn State at that time, as you know, with the sanctions and people were we were getting out of Penn State. We're, going, we're, we're wanting to get out of Penn state. He, he did an excellent job. I mean, eight and four his first year, seven and five his second year, he did an outstanding job at Penn state. And that was a big reason why he got the head coaching job with the Houston Texans. So I, I loved him at Penn state. I thought I, I wish I actually, I honestly think if he stayed in, in, in Franklin, if he stayed at Penn state, I think they might've gotten to the college football playoff, especially in 2017. I mean, I like Franklin, but I, I in terms of an on, uh, on the field head coach, In game head coach, he's definitely a better in game head coach than James Franklin. So I loved him at Penn State.
1: Yeah. 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 I, 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 yeah, totally agree. Cause yeah, you know, he was a huge part of getting Penn State kind of back to where they're supposed to be. I, they probably, you know, probably had a very good shot at 17 if he was still there. Um, but yeah, I'm going back with with the Texans now. And I heard too a little bit ago, it sounds like right before they got fired, it sounds like, you know, him and, uh, JJ Watt, um, and the D coordinator, you know, got an argument with Bill O'Brien about something. So like, I guess hours before they fired him. So uh, something went down there. Um, but yeah, you know, the worst part, yeah, was they, when they turned him into the GM. Again, it was a tough war. And I know the Vikings were 0-3 too, but you know, that that's a team that you now on paper, you probably wouldn't go there. They, you know, you look at them and they say, well, you know, they're 0-3. But yeah, you know, it's, been a struggle for him and you know it's too bad you know that trade really just ended his career you know with the Texans right there
0: yeah one of the worst trades maybe in the history of the NFL that was a absolutely terrible trade it resulted in him losing the locker room and there's just too much control he had being the GM he had too too many responsibilities the GM and then he even became the play caller last week and I think that was the final straw when he you know he took over the play calling duties away from his offensive coordinator I think that was the final straw With management, and they and they finally ended up getting rid of him.
1: Yeah, yeah, because I think you know because Romeo Cornell, I know now, is the intern, but you know he's a pretty good OC, and I think you know that. You mean DC? Oh yeah, DC. I thought he was the OC. Uh, My bad. Um, yeah, you know, again, that just yeah, that um, you know, I and I think he probably knew the pressure was on, and he you know knew that this was probably his last draw, wanted. Probably tried to do so much; it just didn't work out.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it he had a good, he was good there, but it, he wore out his welcome, and, and, that, and that's been and that was proven at the start of the season. I mean, the schedule gave him no favor, but he wore out his welcome. Now Romeo Cornell takes over to be the interim head coach, and we'll see if Deshaun Watson can get his mind back on track. Now that yes, there's not a quote unquote new head coach, but now that Bill O'Brien's gone, that he can start picking it up now.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, hopefully, you know, because, so, you know, still, they got, they got some weapons. you got Deshaun Watson, and I know, too, right now, they have, like, the highest payroll in the league at the moment, too. You know, they they got pieces, and, you know, obviously losing Hopkins, was a big blow, but, yeah, you know, in that division, too, I know the Colts are playing better, but I don't think they have much of a shot, but, yeah, you know, this team that could kind of maybe get to six or seven, you know, six to ten, seven to nine, and try to salvage something.
0: Yeah, we'll see what ends up happening there. But we got to get to our game picks, and uh, we'll start this week with the Thursday night game between the uh, Buccaneers and the Bears. We got Tom Brady against Nick Foles, a rematch of Super Bowl Fifty Two uh, tomorrow night. So that should be that should be interesting. But for for the game, I think that the Bucks defense. Uh, contains this, this Bears offense. I think the Bucks defense, yeah, they had a rough week last week. Justin Herbert th- uh, threw all over them. I think they have a bounce-back week this week, the Bucks defense, and they get pressure on Nick Foles. I think they stopped David Montgomery in the run game. I, th- I And I think on offense, the Buccaneers, even though they have some injuries, uh, Fournette will be out. Fournette might be out, Evans might be out, and Godwin might be out. So they might have some, they might have some injuries. I think, but, but I do think Brady's been, is still, at this point, at 43 years old, he's a top-five quarterback. He'll be able to manage this game. He'll be able to do Enough with what he has. And I got the Bucks beating the Bears twenty three to ten tomorrow night.
1: Yeah, I got the Bucks twenty seven to thirteen. Um Bulls really struggled last week. It seems like, you know, um they're off and throwing to Colts. Bucks got played, you know, that fumble at the end of the half there to Chargers, bad play calling. It's pretty much turned that game around. Tampa's all banged up offensively as you mentioned, but I, I still think with their defense, I think they cause a couple turnovers. Brady, great great manager. Um, they'll do enough to get the win on the road in Chicago. Going from uh, going from uh, Brady's
0: team now to his former team in the Patriots and we really don't know the status of this game yet because of what because of obviously COVID, but we'll pick what we think is going to happen right now as the Broncos travel to uh, New England to face the Patriots. For me, I think in this game, I, I have—I don't know if Cam Newton's going to play. i but if he does play, I think they're going to be able to move the ball in this Broncos defense. I think they'll have a pretty good game. I think the Patriots obviously will be able to run the ball. they will be able to run the ball well all year. And on defense, I think they're—they're they're able to, you know, shut down, uh, contain Gordon and Lindsey. And I don't know who's going to play quarterback for the Broncos either. Is it going to be a? Is it going to be Brett Rippon or is it going to be a Drew Locke? Uh, I saw Brett Rippon play last week. Yes, he won the game, but he, was, he wasn't great. he was sh- great. He should have had four interceptions. He had three interceptions during the game. That all led to Jets points. And he also should have thrown a fourth, but Pierre Desir, who's absolutely terrible, missed the ball in that end, and Jerry Judy ended up scoring a touchdown. So I, I think that for this game, if uh, I, I don't think Locke's going to play, but I think Cam's going to play if they end up playing the game when they're scheduled to play the game. But if they play the game when they're scheduled to play the game, I got the Patriots beating the Broncos 27-13.
1: Yeah, if, if Cam plays, I have the Pats winning this one 24 to uh you know seventeen. You know, without Gilmore, you know, it's gonna make it a little bit tougher, especially if Drew Locke plays. If Cam does not go, I think the Broncos win this game twenty to ten as, as you saw Brian Hoyer. Oh my god. Um for Oh, he who, was you know, he, he was is, terrible. He's bad. For a guy's been in the league so long, oh. how do you stare down your receivers every time you and do how that. do you
0: take a sack right before the half? He's, How do you do, do that?
1: Like, he thought there was a timeout left. Oh my That's god, bad. he was he was
0: horrible. But I did the Pats' defense definitely impressed me yeah. in that game. Their defense, oh, yes, I didn't think the defense was going to be as good as last year, but their defense definitely impressed me in that football game.
1: Oh, it did. You know, and, and you know, um, that was the only reason they were in that game. You know, they, they gave their offense every chance they had to help them win that game. Um, and, and, you know, slow down Mahomes like they did. <laughs> You know, I think that was the third time too. They held Mahomes without a touchdown in the first half. And they, they're the only team that's been able to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I love the way the defense played. Now it's kind of just the offense. Um, Damian Harris, I love the way he ran. You know, of course, Michelle got banged up again <laughs> after he had such a great game against Las Vegas a few weeks ago. But if Cam plays, I think they definitely win this game. If not, and it's Hoyer Stenum. um I'm going with the Broncos, but. If if we did not sign Cam, oh my God! That, oh, this offense would be
0: you guys. You guys would be a bottom five offense in, in the league oh, if yeah. you didn't sign Cam Newton. That that I mean, you're you you would win probably maybe at best six or maybe because you have Belichick, probably six mm-hmm. games because, because our offense is terrible. We don't we obviously we don't want Belichick, so we probably win like uh, two or three games. But you guys would probably win six games at best if you didn't sign Cam Newton.
1: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree because the way that defense played, I think, are you know, again, it would be tough to ask your defense to play like that for 16 games, but you know, the way Bill coaches, and um, I, I think we would have been able to steal a couple of games.
0: We got an NFC East matchup in Dallas as my Giants, who are 0 and 4, head down to Dallas to face the one and three Dallas Cowboys. These are two teams that are really, really struggling right now. Uh, it's the Cowboys' defense is probably one of the worst in football. The Giants' offense is the worst in football. So something's got to give on Sunday. But but what I th- but I think that the uh, Cowboys in this game, their offense has been playing. Really well, even though the Giants defense has been playing better, this is an offensive league. I think I think this will be the one game where Ezekiel Elliott has a big game and goes for over 100 yards. And a reason for that is, if you've seen, you've seen some of the games during the year for the Cowboys, they've been playing from behind a lot. Like the game against the Falcons, they were playing from behind. The game against the Browns, they were playing from behind. That won't won't be the case in this game. So that's why I think Ezekiel Elliott has a big game on the ground. I think Dak gets the ball to CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. I think the Cowboys definitely get in the 30s in this game. Yes, I know the Giants' defense has played well, but I think the Cowboys get into the 30s. And for the Giants, I think this is going to be their best game offensively. Obviously, they're playing a terrible defense in the Cowboys, but I think this is going to be their best game offensively. I think they're going to be able to run the ball with Devontae Freeman and Wayne Gallman, and, and, and so they'll be able to get. They probably get, they'll probably be able to get a good running game going. I think Jones will be able to get the ball to Slayton and Ingram and Tate. I think they put up over twenty points in this game. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm going with the team with the better quarterback and the more talented team. And I got the Cowboys beating the Giants, 34 to 24, Sunday afternoon in Dallas.
1: Yeah, I get Dallas 34 24. I think you guys are going to fight hard. I think you guys are going to be in it. You know, pretty much the whole game. Um, Especially the way Dow's defense has been. Um, you know, something there, you know, that I, you know, the big kind of takeaway for me from the Giants two last week was 0 for 4 in the red zone. That just cannot happen and expect to win a football game. And it's you have, hard.
0: yeah, and you have Jones having that one turnover every game, which needs yeah. to stop.
1: Yeah, and it does. And, you know, to be successful in this league, you got to be able to, again, protect the football. Make good throws and yeah, it's it just another bad mistake, you know, driving you know, driving late in that game too to go tie it up. The force OT. I really like the way the defense played. Um, the internet Rams team. But I you know, I think you're deep I think you guys to play hard, but I just think Dallas just has too much for you guys. I got Dallas thirty four twenty four.
0: Yeah, and the way they played last week—that's a credit to Joe Judge. I mean, getting that team to compete and get that team to play hard—that's that, why, in my opinion, I think Joe Judge is the right coach for this team. The problem is, and I've said this uh, for for, we, for, for uh, since, since last week, Dave Gettleman just needs to be fired. He's just Joe Judge just doesn't have the talent to be successful this year as a head coach. But I do think Joe Judge is the right coach for this team. He's not a Matt Patricia. He's as as, as a Belichick guy. He's the right coach for this team.
1: Yeah, you know, you see the way he coaches, the way you know. He has his guys practice, you know, restart in practice, you know, making them run laps. Yeah. You know, I, the disciplines there, he's going to make his guys play hard. If you, if you don't play hard, he's going to make it pay for it in practice. So yeah, definitely the right guy. You know, I think, I think the future is bright in New York. If you get ready to get them and get a couple more picks, let Joe judge, you know, get a team in place here. I, I think you guys will be just fine. Yes, 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 yes.
0: So at least we have one thing. We don't have the GM. We don't know about the GM. We, we know the GM's not good. We, we don't know about the quarterback, but we know we got the head coach. At least, we, at least you know something as a Giants fan right now. But we got an AFC West matchup in Kansas City as the two-and-two two Raiders head to Kansas City to face the undefeated Kansas City Chiefs. And in this game, I think Kansas City has a bounce-back week offensively. I think they get the run game going with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think Mahomes throws for at least three touchdown passes against this Raiders defense. defense. And I think defensively, I don't know if Chris Jones is going to play, so that's why I think uh, – uh, uh, Josh Jacobs will have, a, will have a good game on the ground. I think Derek Carr makes some plays, but he's not going to make enough plays, and that's why I got Kansas City winning 34 to 20 over the Chiefs. Oh, no, I can't see winning 34 20 over the Raiders. Sorry about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I got the Chiefs 34 to 21 over Las Vegas. I think you know, I know I know. Right, Vegas's line still pretty banged up right now. Um, is not happy that it seems not his defense hasn't forced many turnovers. Um, Carr had a couple turnovers last week that hurt them, but again. I think KC after last week um, against the path. I think you're, yeah, they're going to be able to put up some points against the Raiders' defense. And I think you know Raiders keep it close to a half, and I think that's when KC kind of pulls away.
0: Yeah, to, to, yeah, I, think I, I agree with you there. It should, should be a should be a good game for a little while, but then I think KC pulls away in the second half. But we got a game in Washington where the Rams are traveling uh, uh, to the to the East Coast to, to play a one o'clock game. For the third time in four weeks, as they as they go as as they go play the Washington football team this week, and, I, and the Washington football team made a move at quarterback. Dwayne Haskins has been benched. Kyle Allen is in, and Kyle Allen, as you know, was in Carolina the last couple of years with uh, Ron Rivera and offensive coordinator Scott Turner, so he knows the offense. But for this game, I think this is a close, competitive game. I think the Rams – the Rams last week I saw them play. The Rams really didn't impress me that much last week, to be honest, especially offensively. Because if they can't get a run game going, Jared Goff is not the same quarterback. He's not as good of a quarterback if he can't get the run game going. And I think that might be the same this week. I think the Rams struggle a little bit to get the run game going. I think the Redskins put some pressure on Jared Goff. But at the end of the day, because Kyle Allen is playing and he might have a turnover here and there, I think the Rams, just like last week, win a squeaker. And I got the Rams beating the Washington football team. 21 16.
1: I get pretty close to the same score. Yeah. I got 21 17 Rams. It's pretty harsh that this is already a third trip to the East coast. already. I think, you know, NFL not doing it to many favors. So I think it's going to be pretty sluggish start here for the Rams. Well, they should find a way I chase young. is still questionable. I think if they can kind of get him back and really s- slow down that run game or the Rams. They have a really, really good chance. Um, you know, with, with Allen at quarterback, he knows the offense. He's um he had a couple good games that we saw last year, but again, I don't I don't know if they have enough weapons. And I like the way the Rams defense has played. Um, I just think Rams have a little bit too much and they should get the win on the road.
0: We got an AFC North matchup in Baltimore as the one, two and one Bengals head to Baltimore to face the three and one Ravens. And I think I think this game is a game that is made to order for the Ravens. I think they—I know it's a division game, so it could be competitive. But I think one of these games a year is going to be a blowout, and I think this will be the game that's the blowout. I think that uh, that Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards do it on the ground. Lamar playing from ahead. That's how that's how he likes to play us. Like that's how the Ravens like to play. I think they control the clock. And I think on defense, the Ravens get pressure on Joe Burrow. I think I think this is a really tough defense for Joe Burrow to play against. He's played really well, but I think this is the best defense Burrow is going to go up against. So I got the Ravens winning by three scores. I got the Ravens beating the Bengals
1: 27-10. I got the Ravens winning this one 31-17. I think, yeah, this would be Burrow's toughest test since he's entered the NFL. I really like the way Joe Mixon ran the ball last week. I think it made things a lot easier. Uh, but again, I, he will not have that success this week against the Ravens. Um, and I think the Ravens will be do do whatever they want. Joe clock. Um, they're going to get tons of pressure on Bro Burrow. Um, yeah, this, this is gonna, you know again we're going to find out a lot about Joe Burrow because this is going to be his best defense he's faced all year.
0: We got the Battle of the Keystones on Sunday as the Eagles head west to face the Steelers at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. And I think this is going to be an interesting game. I think on the defensive side of the ball, though, the Steelers are going to get pressure on Carson Wentz and force Wentz to have a turnover. Wentz is good for one turnover a game this year, and I think that will happen in this game. I think The Steelers will shut down the run game of uh, of uh, Miles Sanders. And I think that Big Ben will make some, make some plays, and I think Big Ben is going to make – I know know the Eagles will get pressure, and I know the Eagles will stop the run game, but I think Big Ben will make some more plays than uh, Carson Wentz and make less mistakes than Carson Wentz. And that's going to be the difference in this game, is I have the Steelers going to 4-0, beating the Eagles 24-17.
1: Yeah, I got Pitt 24-14 at home, coming off the bye. Now, unexpected bye. Um, They're they're averaging five sacks a game right now. I think they're going to probably get about five or six sacks against this Eagles um, team. Philippe finally forced the turnovers. I know he was against Nick Mullins, but, hey, you know, again, kind of uh, a little bit, you know, confidence boost for this defense that um, finally forcing some turnovers. Again, got to build off this first win, but going to Pitt's a tough task, and I really like the way this team's playing because they don't really need Big Ben to put up 30 points. With um, this defense, they don't have to, and Seal should be able to get enough to get the win.
0: We got the Cardinals heading all the way to MetLife Stadium on Sunday to face the Jets. This is actually their second second uh, game they're playing in the Eastern time zone uh, in a row. I, I, don't know, I don't know if they've stayed over. I think they flew there and flew back. But it's not going to matter because they're playing an absolutely horrendous football team with an absolutely horrendous head coach that I don't really know how he kept his job uh, after Thursday's game. I mean, he should have absolutely been fired. It's just a disgrace the way the Jets are playing. If you watch them play Thursday night, it's just disgraceful. Greg Williams with all those personal foul penalties. The defense is out of control. There's no discipline. I mean, it's it's so it's so dysfunctional. There's no discipline on the team. It's an absolute disaster for this football team. And even worse, they're going to have Sam. Dar- they're going to have Sam Darnold out with a shoulder injury. He got hurt during the game last Thursday night. Competed and stayed in the game, but they're not going to have him this week. And I think, yes, the Cardinals might get off to a slow start because they're playing you know a 1 o'clock game, which is which body time. It's like a 10 o'clock game, playing that game in the Eastern time zone. But eventually the Cardinals are going to pull away in this game. They'll get the run game going with Kenyon Drake. Kyler Murray won't make mistakes. And on defense, they'll force Joe Flacco to make a couple mistakes. And I got the Cardinals beating the Jets 24-10 to this week at MetLife Stadium.
1: Yeah, I originally had the Cardinals 27-21, but now with Darnold out on – gonna go twenty seven to fourteen. I think Joe Flag was gonna struggle. I think, you know, Arizona will keep this or I mean the Jets will keep this closer a half, I think, but I think, you know, second half, uh, Cardinals will come out, play much better. I think they you know they need to get the ball to I think they'll be able to get the ball more to Drake this week. They you know the from behind. And they could not get off the field on third down against the Panthers. I think that will change this week. Um the eight penalties, yeah that that was awful by the Jets. That was just um just, uh, you know, I haven't seen anything like it. Like, the you know, Broncos uh, coach, Banjo, um, they, they didn't even shake hands. You know, he didn't want to start anything. He didn't want, you know.
0: And let's not forget, he previously worked with Adam Gates in Chicago, too.
1: Yeah, that, you know, and that's that's disappointing, too, that, now you know, time got to come like that. Um, yeah, you know, again, I, I, I know Banjo probably knows that. They weren't personally trying to do it, but it, it doesn't look good for Gase that, you know, that especially if they're friends and uh, and they work together. Yeah, it, it's a terrible look for a Jets team that I, I don't know why this guy is still here. Uh, the only reason is they just want to go 16 and they want Trevor Lawrence. That's the only thing I can come up with.
0: Yeah, I can't, I can't see any other reason why he's still he that coach of the Jets. But we got an AFC South matchup in Houston as the Jaguars head to Houston to face the Texans. And I think this is going to be a fun game. Yes, the first game, of Romeo Romeo Cornell will be the the head coach of the Texans. Uh, I think this is going to be a fun game. I think that James Robinson will have a big game on the ground for the Jags. I think that Deshaun Watson has a big day through the air for the Texans. I think this this is a back-and-forth shootout. I think both these teams go back and forth because these defenses are not very good. Neither defense is very good. Quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson obviously obviously is a really good quarterback despite the record. And Gardner Minshew is a better quarterback than people think. So I think this this game goes uh, back and forth. But at the end of the day, I got Houston beating the Jaguars. 31-27.
1: 31-27. I got Texans finally getting uh, their first one of the year, 28-23. I think the Jags will settle for field goal, a couple of goals, not be able to punch it in. I think would be the difference. Gene, yeah, James should have a huge year. And for the Texans, if they do not win this game, their next two games before the bye is at Tennessee and hosting Green Bay. They could be Oh, my God. West wow. Tennessee wow. Wow. Bye. wow. So this is, I think, you know, must win just for morale reasons. I think they'll be able to pull it out. Um, it won't be easy, but I think he has to find a way to get the one.
0: We got an NFC South matchup in Atlanta as the uh, Panthers travel up to Atlanta to face the uh, Falcons. And uh, right now I don't, another, another coach. I don't, I can't understand why it still is a job. Why it still has a job is Dan Quinn. I think, you know, they competed Monday night, but they still lost 30 to 16 to, to the Packers. But in this game, I think the Panthers, the, the the run game with Mike Davis and Bonifont, that's that's kind that's kind of you know helped replace a little bit of the production of Christian McCaffrey. And I think they have success doing that in this game. I think that Bridgewater gets the ball to Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. And the Panthers are a better team than the Panthers are a better team than we thought. Matt Rule has done a really good job so far there. Matt Rule definitely took the right job in the offseason taking that Panther job. I think he's happy. He took the Panther job instead of taking the Giants job or or even the Redskins or even the Cowboys. I think he took the right job. This is probably one of the best jobs to have taking the Panthers job. Uh, I th- I, and I think in this game, the Panthers, you know, they run the ball well. Bridgewater has a good game. And then on defense, I think that they're able to, you know, limit the run game of Todd Gurley, get some pressure on Matt Ryan, even though he'll make some plays. And I think the Panthers win a close one. I think they, they upset him. I got the Panthers upsetting the Falcons 27-24, and the Falcons going to
1: 0-5. Yeah, I got the Panthers 30-27. to um, I'm really impressed with the way the team played, and especially in the secondary. You know, they, they're only giving up 229 yards a game in the secondary. With how young they are, uh, I think Phil Snow's D coordinator is coming and doing a great job. Um, again, building with such a young defense, I've really liked the way they played. Um, again, this week's going to be tough playing a Falcons team, but um it, yeah, this is another one, Dan Quinn. I don't know why he's still here, and they'll they'll definitely put up some points. The Falcons, but they just can't stop anybody. I, I see Teddy having a pretty good game. Mike Davis game. They've been using the pass game as well. I think Carolina's offense is going to be rolling this week.
0: We got a match of two undefeated teams in Tennessee. But as we know, with all the COVID uh, cases with the Titans, there there is a good chance that this game may not even happen this week. So we'll, we'll see what ends up happening there. But we'll pick it like it's going to happen And and uh, for the Bills, I think you know in this game they continue to continue to uh, Josh Allen continues to be be the top ten quarterback that he's been this year. Josh Allen has played great. Gets the ball to Stephon Diggs. I think Devin Singletary is a good day in the run game. And even for the Titans, I think they execute their offense too. AJ Brown's probably coming back. I think Derrick Henry runs the ball well. I think Tannehill gets the ball to to to, uh, to AJ Brown. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the Bills defense having to make a play against Ryan Tannehill, and I think they do it. And if everything goes well, and and, then, and there's and and we don't know we don't know if everything's going to go well this week. If everything goes well this week and they play on Sunday, I got the Bills beating the Titans 28-24.
1: Yeah, I got the Bills winning 24-21. I actually just saw a picture too. I guess there's a bunch of Tennessee Titans working out at local high school this week. So um, or last week it was. Um, that could kind of be problematic here. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting. It kind of happens there. Kind of, you know, again, it's been a, such a weird schedule for the Titans. I think it's going to be a slow start. But I think, you know, Tam will make some plays. Henry's going to run the ball well. Then they kind of get back into it. But um, it's this build team, with Josh Allen, the way they're playing, I really you – know, they already got a two-game lead in the AFC. They're rolling. I think Buffalo, you go down to Tennessee and get the win.
0: We got a matchup of two and 3-1 teams in Cleveland. This is a little weird because in the NFL in 2020 – you re- usually don't have two teams that are three and one that kind of have, you know, average to below average quarterbacks, but that is the case this week in Cleveland as the three and one Colts head up to Cleveland to face the three and one uh, Browns. And I think this is a close competitive game, but I think there's a couple things that are going to make the difference in this game. Darius letter might not play for the, for the Colts, which could, could, ha- could uh, help the Browns. Cause I think they'll be able to run the ball better than people expect with Kareem hunt. And that'll, that'll set up play action for Baker Mayfield. And I do think that even though the, uh, Colts' offensive line is the best in football. I think Miles Garrett's gonna get some pressure and maybe force a turnover for Phillip Rivers. And I got this being a really, really close competitive game, but I got the Browns winning 23-20 over the Colts.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna take the Colts to go on the road. I really like the way they're D playing. I know. Lions and of course, play.
0: you like the way their offensive line's playing.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I like the way that they finally kind of figured out how to use Rivers. The so week one, they threw the ball 64 times a game, I think, or 64 times, I think it was. Now you know. Last week I think do about twenty seven. It balance. They kind of find that. I found that balance, and because they trade up for Jonathan Taylor, and it was like week one they didn't even use them. Why'd you trade up? I know they got Heinz, uh, Barrow Mac got hurt, but I, I like really like the way this team quotes the quotes is playing. And again, I it's hard for me to see the Browns before him one. I just think you know. Um, I know they're, lead, they're leading the league right now, uh, rushing yards for game.
0: Kevin Stefanski yeah. has done an outstanding job, and he's gotten this run game going. That's the biggest reason why they're going to why they're having success. You keep the ball to Baker's hands. This is a good mm-hmm. enough roster where they could win games despite Baker Baker Mayfield doing anything, and that's what they've that's what they've done so far.
1: Yeah, because it was weird last year. Yeah, you, you you signed Haunt and Chubb, but it's like uh, you still wanted to throw the ball for you. No,
0: I think what Kitches wanted to do is he wanted to prove that Baker Mayfield was a really good player. But but now Kevin Stefanski is 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 uh. Working to Baker Mayfield's strengths, play action, have have the run game going, uh, passing the ball off the run. I think Kevin Stefanski, Stefanski has done an outstanding job. You know, you know, figuring out what Baker Mayfield's strengths are and making the football team better instead of just Freddie Kitchen just wanting to try to make Baker Mayfield look like a superstar.
1: Yeah, no, that, that is a very good point, and it, it's it's worked. You know, he again they put up forty nine points in Dallas, and I like the way that he used Landry and Odell kind of with the trick plays. I, you know, kind of get them involved that way, too. Outstanding
0: job. <laughs> Outstanding job last week with the way they used those two guys.
1: Yeah, keep keep doing it. I know you can't really run the same thing week in, week out, because teams are going to get on that. But, um uh, again, keep it interesting. And that's what the Browns did. But I think the Colts will be going on the road. I like the way they're playing. I think, like, you know, both teams are playing well. I think the Colts will do enough. I think they forward Baker to make a mistake or two. And Colts will find a way to win.
0: We got a matchup in San Francisco as the Dolphins travel out to San Francisco to face the 49ers. And for the uh, for the Niners, I think they control this game on the ground. I think they run the ball with whoever they have, running, whoever they have in there. If it's uh, Jeff Wilson, if it's uh, Jarek McKinnon, it's Kyle Shanahan. Anybody could run the ball mm-hmm. in Kyle Shanahan's offense, so I think they run the ball well. There's a good chance they'll get Garoppolo back this week, so I think he'll be able to get the ball to George Kittle. I think he got another big week out of George Kittle. And on the Dolphins side, I think that the Niners get pressure on Fitzpatrick I think he forces a turnover or two. And this will probably be the last game that Ryan Fitzpatrick starts. Yes, he wasn't terrible last week, but he wasn't great. But this will probably be the last game he starts for the Dolphins. I think Tua starts next week. And I got the Niners beat the Dolphins twenty-eight to thirteen.
1: I got Miami Kubit close. I think going to be twenty to twenty three. I think with all the Niners injuries right now. You I mean, you like you
0: like taking the uh these ex Belichick coaches to keep it close.
1: I do, I know. I, I you know, yeah, you know, but if only four is an um and uh, Joe Judge so far, not, yeah, no, not, not Patricia. I, I will, never- oh, yeah, oh,
0: yeah, yeah, stop. Yeah, Patricia's a disaster. I mean, that, that'll be something we talk about next week. He should be, he should have been fired after last year.
1: Oh, yeah, um, he, he's been awful in those uh, comments the other day. Hopefully, we'll talk about next week. But I, I, you know, I see the Dolphins being able to keep this thing interesting just with all the injuries the Niners have defensively. Um, they just lost somebody I can't remember the name the other day now going on IR, so I think. Miami's going to be able to score some points. Um, it didn't really – the Niners still had 417 yards of offense last week, but they turned to – you know, Mullins had three interceptions. I think, you know, Miami's going to have trouble stopping them, but I think they'll put up some points to keep it interesting.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll see there. Yeah, the Niners have a lot of injuries, but I just feel like, you know, the way – you know, the, I don't see Kyle Shanahan losing two games in a row, especially it's two teams that aren't that good. So I, I that's why I got the Niners winning the game, and I got them winning it by double digits but we got to get to the Sunday night game and the Vikings head to Seattle to face the Seahawks. And I think this one's a pretty easy one. I think that, you know, Russell Wilson, the Vikings defense has struggled all year. I think they get the run game going with Chris Carson. I think Russell Wilson throws for at least three touchdown passes. He has another big day. And for the Vikings, I think they move the ball. I think, that, I think, I think, uh yeah, Seattle's really good against the run. We don't know if, uh, Jamal Adams is going to play or not, but I think I think the Vikings move the ball in, in through the air with uh, with with Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. I think Kirk Cousin puts up a lot of stats, but he's not going to be able to keep up to, with Russell Wilson, and that's why I got the Seahawks winning on Sunday night, 31-20 over the Vikings.
1: Yeah, I think, by the, yeah, it, Seattle right now that whole Sunday night, um, they'll be able to get 135 one thirty-five twenty-seven. I got them. You know, I think, yeah, they're they're going to be able to put up some points. Um, again, I think if they can somehow get the run game going, I think if you can keep it out of Russell Wilson's hands, you have a good shot of winning this game. I don't know if they'll be able to do that. I think, you know, obviously, I think, you know, they'll put points, but um, especially if Adams doesn't play, I'm kind of leaning toward he he was kind of why the Vikings getting 27. Uh, but I think, you know, um, this Seattle offense has been really good. And I think, you know, um, Greg Olson's. I think it's been a nice piece. I know last few weeks, a couple catches, I know he had the, Dreadful pick six uh, against New England week two, but uh, this Seattle team, they could kind of figure out defensively, you know, um, the secondary, I think this is such a dangerous team, they already are, but you, you kind of get that defense going. Um, they you know, they should win the game 35 27.
0: We got the Monday night game as the Chargers headed to New Orleans to face the uh, Saints, and in this game, I feel like, uh, for the Saints, I think their offense will do a pretty good job. I think Evan Kamara will have a big day on the ground, even though they do have some injuries on that offensive line, Andrews, Pete, and uh, Ryan Ramchick. I think the Chargers will get some pressure on Drew Brees, but I do think that it will be able to dump the ball off to Kamara. I think Kamara will have a game where he has a really big game on the ground. And they're hopeful to get Michael Thomas back, the Saints, so that, that'll be big too. And for the Chargers, I like Justin Herbert. I, I, I think I watched him play last week. I was really impressed. He's got a great arm. He's got mobility. I was really, really impressed with Justin Herbert. But I think the biggest problem with the Chargers is I don't think it's their talent. I think it's their head coach. Their head coach, uh, t- two weeks, made two really bad decisions. Uh, week two, he doesn't go for it on fourth and one and gives Mahomes the ball, loses the game. And then last week, he's up 24-7. And right before the half, he doesn't take a knee. He hands the ball off to Joshua Kelly. He fumbles. Then the Bucks score a touchdown. That swung the momentum of that, of that game completely. And that's on the head coach. I, I don't know if Anthony, if Anthony Lynn is the right guy to lead this team. Uh, going forward, but I do know one thing Justin Herbert's definitely the right QB, uh, going forward. But in this game, I, I just still feel like the Saints put too much pressure on him. I think he competes in this game. I think the Saints, the Chargers have trouble getting a running game going because Austin Eckler's out. So I think, but I do think Herbert competes. But I got the Saints at the end of the day beating the Chargers 27 17. But I do really, really like what I've seen out of Justin Herbert.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I've been a surprise. I thought, you know, he's been a total surprise. I thought, you know, He was going to struggle out of the gate, and, you know, he's an older guy, so I said I shouldn't be too shy, but um, I'm really, you know, the way he's playing, it's been really good to see, you know, and fun to see so far. uh, Yeah, late in the first half there, and the Bucs only had one timeout, too. I could see if they had three left where it's like, you know, you really can't, you know, you give them good field position. But, yeah, yeah, well, one timeout. Take a knee there, you know. You're up 24 seven, and
0: you would have gotten the ball before the half. It made no sense at all not to take a knee. It was a terrible, terrible move right there by right. Anthony Lynn. Horrible.
1: Yeah. So he should have been aggressive in the KC game, but then he decides to be too aggressive when he shouldn't. Um, in the Bucks game, it, it yeah, it it pretty much killed all hope that they you know momentum they they had that they built it up. Played in the way they played in that first half. I think they'll keep it close, but I think the Saints just have way too much offense. I know um, there are spec; it may get changed. That they, they may yeah get in India.
0: I, hear, I heard I heard a rumor about that they may go to Indianapolis because they already moved the LSU Missouri game yeah. to Missouri. I heard that.
1: Yeah, it Ole Miss, Alabama is supposed to play, but they're uh, still waiting. But yeah, um, so that would be weird to kind of see how they kind of adjust to that, um, how late they decide to do that. But the Saints should be able to move the ball and score some points against the charges
0: d oh absolutely absolutely it, it should it should be an interesting game but yeah i i, I got uh new i got new orleans uh winning 27 17. so for our picks uh you still have a six game lead on me i did i did i did gang a game on you last week but you still got a you still got a six game lead six game lead on me in terms of the picks and i think your record uh i think i sent it to joe uh before the show i think your record uh still leads cmg
1: wow i'm i'm shocked Usually NFL is not great for me. Usually it's college where I, I excel. Not usually NFL.
0: Yeah. You're doing a really, really good job, uh, this year with the picks, but we got to get to baseball. We got to get to last night and, and what was a really horrendous, horrendous decision by Aaron Boone. I mean, the Yankees, obviously it was one, one going into the, going into the second inning. And, uh, you know Debbie garcia pitched all right in the first inning he did give up that home run in the first inning it took, uh as arena or what's his name
1: i i, I think you're right as, as a as arena
0: or someone. but he gave up that home run to him and then uh, and then boone takes Debbie garcia out and when i said that i'm a shock they put ja happen to relieve and then he was a disaster he gave up four runs and that was a horrible horrible move yeah stand almost bailed them out you get the three run homer but eventually the yankees end up losing 7 to 5 just an awful move by Aaron Boone. This is clearly his worst uh, move as a as the Yankee manager. This this made no sense. And the thing was, is even when he was talking to the TBS guys, he was upset. I, that he was he, he did he was questioning himself. Uh, Jay Happ was surprised, and then even after the game, who Boone was surprised. So this was definitely the worst move he, he made. And he's going to need Tanaka to bail him out tonight. So this move, so people don't remember this move. The key thing is, is he made a bad move. You don't want people to remember about this move forever. You want it to kind of be like Joe Girardi, not challenging that hit by pitch in 2017.
1: You don't want this move
0: uh, following you around forever.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I don't understand. It, he tried to beat the Tampa Bay Rays at their own game. And he fit, And it's the New York Yankees. You have a $246 million payroll, whatever it is. And, and you're trying to beat the Rays at their own game. This is where the analytics, you know, and, again, it probably wasn't all Boone's decision. It was probably the analytics department, too, probably wanted to try to pull this off. And it just doesn't work. You know, it, you killed all momentum. You know, Tanaka's been great in the postseason. Again, Glasson uh, was, was great last night.
0: He did, but the thing was, Tanaka didn't pitch that well in game two. But I still think you got to give him another chance.
1: You do. It, it, that first inning he pitched, that thing was in a tropical storm, it felt like. <laughs> that That was not easy to go out there and go throw. Um, so I, I gave him the benefit of the doubt that, but yeah, he's been so great. I just don't know why you don't go, go up to all and really put the pressure on Tampa Bay. Now, now the pressure's on you, you you switched it and it could really cost you because Morton's been good in the playoffs too. And, um, you know, I I just did not understand the move And, and Garcia, you know, again, that the humping was. Bad both sides last night, but he probably could, should have got that strikeout, getting him out of the inning. Um, Randy hit that home run, but it is what it is. Um, but, yeah, it's just a terrible move, terrible move.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, uh, and, uh, the series tied 1-1. I mean, we could have been up 2-0, but, you know, you have to look at the positive. They just won one. The Yankees have still have a really, really good chance to win this series with, Tan- with Tanaka tonight. The only issue now is is who's going to pitch game four. Because it probably is going to be J.A. Happ, but now that you used him in relief, he probably can't pitch that game. It's going to have to now be Jordan Montgomery.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The problem right now is just Montgomery. Uh, I could maybe, you know, depending on how it goes tonight, go three, four innings, see how he does the first time around the lineup, and then, you know, go from there. If he can go second time around, do it. If not, would you bring Garcia back? You know, <laughs> give him another inning or two, see what happens? Would be, would be, you know, interesting decision. I wouldn't mind it depending on what the score is and, and all that. But, yeah, you know, you, you put yourself kind of, you know, not elimination game, yeah, but, again, you could have really took control of the series with a win last night. Um, but in Montgomery's, you know, it's been very up and down. He's had some de- decent performances, but then other nights he gets rocked. And this raised lineups, you know, again, they don't have too many big-name guys out there, but they're dangerous. How very dangerous, very
0: dangerous, yeah. Very, and very dangerous.
1: There they are, and they, you know, other thing, you know, I took away from this game last night was the, the lineup felt like the playoffs years of the past where there was a ton of swing and misses. They had 18 strikeouts, but I think it was a higher record. Here, here's
0: my thing with the strikeouts, though this is this is major league baseball in 2020 if you strike out and there's nobody on base is it really what, what big of a difference is striking out with no one on base than just ground up and, and ground up the first base is there really any difference between the two things there isn't yes if you strike out with runners in scoring position yeah that's yes that's a difference if you strike out with no one on is it really a diff? is that really a difference than any other out i kind of think with baseball in these days you want guys to have those uppercut swings it's because that's that, that that would help them eventually get home get home run. So I, I don't put much into the
1: strikeouts. I um, you know, also, oh, I, you're
0: trying to defend the old school game.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say this. You never know what's going to happen when the ball is put in play. You you know the first yeah, game, but
0: come on, come play. on. In, in the major leagues, usually, if you hit if you put the ball in play, and the guy can make the routine play, they usually they usually get the guy out. Okay,
1: do but it's not hundred percent guaranteed.
0: It's like ninety eight percent guaranteed.
1: Okay. There's still, you know, there's still that little chance. And again, it starts a rally and you get one guy on after an error, you know, I mean, I get kind of, you know, all right, here we go. Let, let's 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 make them pay for this. I kinda, you know, I'd, I'd rather have you put a ball in play, even though I could never do that as a little eager. I could not put a ball in play. Choke um, up on the
0: bat. Like they always tell you, choke up on the bat, you know, shorten your swing. Yeah, I, I, I g- listen. I, I get it as an eight or eight or nine hitter to shorten your swing and choke up on the bat. But do you ever want Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Pistan, you know, choke it up on that bat? No way. You want them swinging for the fences. That's how the game is played now. I don't want to hear these old school, you know, baseball purists tell us, oh, the Yankees had 18 strikeouts. That's why they lost the game. No, it's because Aaron made a terrible decision. The 18 strikeouts had nothing to do with it. Come on now.
1: Yeah, again, I, you know, there, there were some spots where it's like, just put the ball in play. Don't just. Again, just swing for the fences and put the ball. And the ball is carrying too. It's like you know, for a judge or stand, Joe, standing like... it's
0: Joe, listen. Yes, I get it. Strikeouts are the worst things in big situations. But with no one on, it's no different than a pop up. Exactly.
1: It's no different than a pop out. But I, I think for a ground out or for a ground ball, I, there's a chance there's for an error. There's a chance you beat it out with like a gardener. Um. I again. I you know because I like the approach the first three games too. Well, again. Glass now in the Rays bullpen had great, great strikeout stuff. You know, I, I you know, um, they, they were great last night. But I like the approach they had the first three games. There was not a ton of swing and misses. They were not chasing a bunch. And it kind of just felt like last night. It just felt like the last few years of, of seeing them in the playoffs. It's just a lot of swing and misses from last night. I, I you know, then me, I kind of, you know, I thought, you know, that was kind of out of the bag with the last three games.
0: Yeah, Joe. Joe made another point. Catcher could drop the third strike and overthrow the first base, and you can be on second after a strikeout. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So so you know it, 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 it. You you as we as we say, you, you strikeouts are terrible with guys on base. But yeah, when there's no one on base, it's not. And nowadays, it's not that unproductive of an out as, as it used to be. So yes, but we want to get let's get to the positive of the offenses, and I think the offense has been really good. And the one guy, I'll admit, I've been on Giancarlo Stanton for his lack of postseason production. But he's been outstanding. I mean, f- I mean, four homers in the postseason, three in the last two games. Had two home runs last night. He's just locked in. He's the Yankee. He's he's the guy right now who you do, who no pitcher wants to face in the Yankee lineup. Who who would have ever thought we'd say that? You know, going into the season, in the postseason. But he's the one guy you don't want to face in the in that Yankee lineup right now.
1: No, you no you don't. And he's had good success at Peco Park. You know, remember the home run derby, two thousand sixteen. I know he said he was from Southern Cal, so I think you know his parents are here. He's got some family here. Um again, he just you know, this is I and mean, this has been the Giancarlo stand. I think we've been waiting for for three years. And we're finally starting to see it. I don't know why the Raiders are still throwing this guy fastball. So um but I guess even like when they're throwing breaking balls and all that, you know, it's not he's not, you know, way out in front and he's you know, he's still putting good swings on him. So he just looks totally. Right and right and
0: Joe reminded us he has five and four yeah. games, including three hits in this series. He keeps reminding us about Stan. Yes, I, we we get it. He's he's been outstanding. He's been phenomenal, and he will not get criticized in this postseason if the Yankees don't win. It will not be John Carlos Stan. We know that for sure. No.
1: And, and no, it won't. And I wonder, kind of, when you say criticize, I wonder now. There's no fans. There's no, you know. Again, I know he's not thinking that he's gonna get booed, but now he knows. Okay, if I go over four, nobody's gonna be sitting there booing me. Like, I know he's not thinking about it, but I think maybe he's just more relaxed right now with no fans in the stands. Oh, you know, absolutely. I, I think he, he def, you know that could definitely be something going on right now. But they're um, him to kind of be the MVP right now. It's kind of in, in the playoffs so far. It's been a surprise. You know, you would have thought it would be like a judge or Torres. Or know, even a Luke Voigt who hasn't been yeah, in the postseason. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, he's just that second home run was just – I've never seen a ball – Hit like, you know, I've never seen a ball get smashed like that. Like he did that second one. That was an absolute moonshot. Oh, absolutely. Abso- absolutely. And
0: the rest of the lineup is really, really, uh, people say Judge isn't hitting, but he's had two home runs. Lumeu's hit, uh, Hicks hit, uh, Torres hit really well in, in the series against Cleveland. Uh, really outside of Gary Sanchez, pretty much. And yes, void has struggled too. But outside of Gary Sanchez, everyone is hitting this lineup. I mean, and and that's, and that's another thing is Hagashioka. How about that home run the other night too? Uh, Higashioka had. He's got a pitch every single time Garrett Cole pitches. He has got to be behind the plate.
1: Yeah, he does. It, it's it's must win when Garrett Cole is on the mound. But you know, I'll say Gary did have a nice game too, though in Cleveland. You know, I, I he he I thought you know he had a couple nice bats. He had the home run. Um, you know, he had a couple hits that. That game two, I thought he played well game two last night. Yeah, he struggled, but yeah, he goes. Hagashioka's got to be behind the plate played every time Garrett Cole's out there. It's mu- it, especially now in October, it's must win time with uh Garrett Cole and the mom. And you need Hagashioka by in there,
0: absolutely. The way Sanchez is hitting, the way Hagashioka's been hitting, and the way Cole pitches when Hagashioka catches, there's no question that Hagashioka should be the catcher when Garrett Cole pitches. But let's 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 move on to tonight and uh. Big one, big one. Tanaka against Charlie Morton, and I, 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 you know what? I hope this morale of what happened with with the with the manager yesterday, Tanaka pitches a good game and stops all that because Tanaka's the stopper. He has got to have a big, 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 big game to, tonight. He's got to pitch well. If he pitches well tonight and the Yankees win, all this stuff about what happened last night is over with. So that's why this start is so important for him. And personally, I think he's going to come up big. I've seen Tanaka when the Yankees were down. Uh, 02 in, the, in that series against Cleveland, he pitched a great game, and the Yankees won that game. He can be the stopper, and I feel like tonight he's going to be the stopper. And I think, and I think personally, I think the Yankees win.
1: Yeah, I'll take the Yankees in a very low scoring one. Um, Weird you are going to
0: pick the eggs in a low scoring game. They, they, they have been playing low scoring games recently.
1: They haven't, but again, I think Morton's been good. I just think Tanaka be a bit better than Morton. I think you can go a little bit deeper than Morton in this game. Um... And I I don't think there's going to be too much runs tonight put up. And, yeah, you know, Tanaka has been great in the postseason. You know, again, I know he said it before his last regular season start, you know, this could be my last game with the New York Yankees. So I feel like he's kind of got that, too, in the back of his head and wants to go out on top. And, um, again, this guy never nervous in in the toughest moments. So I I think Tanaka is going to get it done tonight, and he's going to bail out Aaron, uh, Aaron Boone
0: yeah I mean, too bad it's not gonna be at the stadium but I do feel like Tanaka's uh bailing Aaron Boone out tonight
1: yeah I d- definitely agree yeah it, w- it would have been great to have the the Stadium too tonight would have given them a bit of an you know <laughs> been a nice edge to have but yeah I think Tanaka will be able to get done I think you know they can get a couple runs off of Morton would be enough and you know put the pressure back on the race
0: Yes. So we'll see what happens between the Yanks and Rays. It should be interesting. It should be a gr- really a great five-game series. I mean, it, it's right now. It can go either way. But we got to move on to the Yankees' postseason ne- season nemesis, and they are back. And that is the Houston Astros. They are back. You saw the way they were hitting on uh, on on Monday, scoring 10 runs. Correa was hitting the ball. George Springer has been on fire, has had yeah. two home runs. They beat the A's yesterday 2-0 to, to take a 2-0. They're going to beat the A's 5-2 to take, to take a 2-0 series lead. And it just looks like the Astros have found their swagger. They've found, you know, they've got their confidence back. They, I mean, yes, without the, the pitching, that still concerns me, the starting pitching. And if they face the Yankees or Rays in the next round, that starting pitching is going to be a big reason why they don't get to the World Series. But the way they're hitting the ball right now, they got their swagger back. And we know the Astros. Yes, throw the cheating stuff out, out of the way. Yes, they cheated, but throw that out of the way. This Astro team is back.
1: Yeah, un- unfortunately, they're, they're back. Um... George Springer yesterday was his 10th straight game at Dodger Stadium with at least one RBI. He loves hitting that park, and he, I think he's tied six now all the time with the most postseason home runs. He is 17 now. So, um, George Springer has been a absolute monster. Um is starting to get it going. And, you know, um, they, yeah, they, they just kind of have that, you know, that their voice, you know, they, they they got all momentum right now. The A's are four and eight since 2012 in the ALDS. They've really struggled. Um, they're you know. I I know Grinky got scratched because his arm's sore. So it's uh, Jose um, Urquini, I think it's pronounced. Who can they even name a called?
0: pitcher in the rotation outside of Granky now? Now that furlander has gone, now that Cole's gone. Yes, we can name McCullers, but mm-hmm. really outside of that, who can name a pitch, pitcher in that rotation now?
1: That's it. You know, him, um, Framer Valdez pitched yesterday. I don't know who their fifth guy would be um, after that, but yeah, you know, and, and their bullpen, too, has been lights out. Um, and that's been the problem, and it, oh, you know, all regular season was their bullpen, but that's really, they, they really pitched well against the Twins, and now against the, against the A's, and yeah, they, they, they're just in a groove, and they're, you know, unfortunately, they are back, but, you know, yeah, you, and, and, you know, Obviously, with all the cheating candles stuff and all that, they, you know, they're still great major league hitters. You know, they're still, you know, all those guys are still great hitters. You know. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, and yes, they struggled during the regular season, but yeah, Altuve, uh, Bregman, Correa, Springer, all top players of their positions.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and
0: and and that's why you know I think the MLB did a disservice to everyone not suspending them for the whole year because you're looking at right now what there's what the punishment the MLB gave them is really really has not affected their team.
1: No. It has not, you know, and um, it, 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 yeah, and it, it's been a, it was a huge mistake by the MLB. because yeah, what punishment are you giving these guys? Um, they're still here, and they could be playing, you know, the World Series if it happens in Arlington, you know, but um, yeah. right home. Uh, it, yeah, it, it it was a terrible job by the MLB. And, you know, I, I mean, mean they, they don't care, but it doesn't care what's going on you now that they did that, you know. They're probably loving that the Astros. They're, they're probably hoping it's Astros Yankees. Oh yeah, of important.
0: course they want the storyline. If the Rays. They definitely want that more than Rays A's. They want the storyline with the Astros and the Yankees.
1: Yeah, they do. So, uh, you know, they're, they're fine with whatever, what the Astros are doing. But yeah, it was awful mistake by Major League Baseball. They could have really brought down the hammer, and they did not. They failed. yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, they they, they suspend the quote unquote. They fired the they fired the manager. They Hinch and uh, Luno both both go, but. You get rid of them, you get rid of that. The Astros get rid of their manager and might eat, arguably have a better manager in Dusty Baker,
1: yeah. They do, and you know, good for good for it's tough to root, you know, for the Astros, obviously. But
0: but the one guy you want to see win is yeah. if, if, if you would want to see them win, it would be for Dusty because Dusty's been so close so many times, he's been a really good manager for so many years. If the only way you the only reason you would ever want to see the Astros win is just for Dusty Baker,
1: yeah, you would, and even that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's still tough to. For him, but yeah, Dusty's been you know a great manager, he's had chances, he just never had been able to get over the hump. And you know, again, they, they they got that chance right now. And <laughs> you know, going back to uh, firing Hinch and Cora, you know, they may get the Tiger Shop, one of the two, it sounds like. So, um, uh, they they didn't really, you know, they punish for being suspended for 60 games, but it's what it is, yeah, exactly. And going back to the A's, this just shows you
0: again, money ball just does it gets you to the playoffs, but it can't get you a championship.
1: It, it doesn't. And I think they just lack that superstar. They don't have that guy. Because they never pay that superstar. That's the problem. And it's it's a mistake. And I understand why they do it. It's just not the right move. If you're just going to be in the AL, ALDS every year. And, and you know, maybe one year you get lucky, you get a favorable matchup, but that's about it. You know, you're not being a team like the Astros.
0: Exactly. So uh, going on to the National League, we got an interesting series between the Padres and the Dodgers. And last night, Walker Bueller was really good for the uh, Dodgers as they took a uh, 1-0 lead over the Padres. Uh, uh, yeah, Bueller was really good. He completely shut down that, uh, that Padres lineup. He, uh, he only went four innings, but he did allow a run. The bullpen was outstanding. And the Dodgers are looking like they are the best team in the National League. This will be an interesting series with the Padres, though. You know, because Kershaw goes tonight, so the Dodgers could easily be up two 0 But if the Padres win tonight; they might be able to make do some damage because we all know how fun that uh, lineup is to watch with Tatis Jr., Machado, and Hosmer. But the problem is the Dodgers have the more complete team, and they got the pitching. and That's why I think the Dodgers win the series.
1: Yeah, I, I got the Dodgers and four. I'd love to see the Padres knock them off and get five. But you just lose Clevenger now. You you used nine pitchers last night. Um, it, it's tough for five straight days here to. Figure out combinations, all that. I think it's Zach Davies tonight, but they don't really trust you know, when they brought out Clevenger for game one, they probably knew <laughs> that he probably wasn't 100%. And you still brought him out there. What's that kind of tone? Paddock and, and Zach Davies, like you know, you'd rather kind of have a guy that maybe 80 90% take it to game one instead of instead of you guys. So, um, kind of wonder what the morale is, but they need Davies and, and Pritt Paddock the next year. Nice to go deep. Um, and it's it's going to be tough to go up against Clayton Kershaw. And there's actually – he grew up a Rangers fan, and this is actually the first time that he's pitching in Arlington. Um, every time they played the Rangers, he's, um wasn't in line in the rotation. So um going to be a pretty special night for Kershaw. I guess his parents are going to be, you know, in the stadium. So um, I, I expect a great Clayton Kershaw performance tonight. So it will be tough for the Padres to, you know, get out of this hole.
0: Yeah, that would be nice. To see. It would be nice to see Kershaw pitch tonight, and I hope the series goes more than three games because this is an interesting series with the with the Padres lineup. I, I really like watching the Padres lineup. So I don't. I think the Dodgers are going to win, but I hope it goes four or five games.
1: Yeah, you know, hopefully the Padres can steal one or two and can get to a game five. Because I think it helps baseball. Like how exciting this young, you know, this this lineup. You know, you got one of the most exciting guys with Fernando Tatis, and yeah, it, it would be good for baseball to. Kind of showcase these guys, you know. Hopefully, get them the. Hopefully, get build a you know get a series going. Yeah, they can go four or five games.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So well, we got the last series, and that's the uh Braves and the Marlins. And the Marlins got off to a good start. They were up four one in the third inning yesterday, but one, but right after uh Akuta got hit, uh that game completely turned around. You got the huge home run by Travis Darnell the former Met. That it's a home run for the Braves. That should. The Mets fans are not happy about that at all. So but yeah, Darno gets the big So the thing with Darno is he couldn't do anything with the Mets, but once he's left the Mets, he's been really good. Uh so the Braves end up winning the game nine to five, take a one-o lead in the series against the Marlins. Here's the interesting thing, though. I think the Marlins have the pitching in the series, but the problem is the Braves have a much better offense. And that's why I think the Braves are definitely winning the series.
1: Yeah, I got Braves in four. I think the big the big swing was when Akuta got hit. And because you know, you got a 4 1 lead off of Max Freed, and you're looking good, and it kind of all met. The Braves really broke up after that. Now, it would you know, that's the fifth time the Marlins have hit him in the last three years, but the Braves have hit Brian Anderson six times and Miguel Rojas five times. So, um, some of their top guys have been you know, punked up both sides. They're up one nothing right now. I think Anderson in the fourth, Anderson already has six strikeouts, too. So, um, he's been mowing down the Marlins hitters so far. But, yeah, the Marlins need this one, and it really stung yesterday that they could not, you know, up 4-1, you got Max Freed out of that game and you were not able to capitalize off of it. That was huge. That, you now, that's a huge, huge loss.
0: Yeah, I mean, up 4-1 against the Rays, I was feeling good about the Marlins a little bit there. Then once Acunta got hit, he kind of charged them out a little bit, that woke the Braves up, and the Braves were able to, to end, up break, to end up breaking that game open and winning nine five,
1: yeah, and it, yeah, it definitely did. And you know, I know Manning said that they just wanted to kind of they can't leave a pitch out on the outside half. There. They're just trying to <laughs> establish the inside corner with them. It, it you know he said just miss, who knows, um, because you you know you kind of have to establish the inside corner with, you know with the um, Acuna Acuna. Yeah, you know, we saw he took that um, pitch on the outside corner. You know opposite field, and that was a no doubter. you know, that, that was impressive. So, um, yeah, I just think this rate this Braves lineup just has too much of the Miami Marlins.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So now we're going to go on to, to go on, going to go on to college football. We're going to start with a matchup in college station as the number four Florida Gators traveled to a uh, college station to face the, uh, Texas A&M Aggies and, and Florida coming off, uh, two straight wins against, uh, against Ole Ole Miss week one. Who did they beat week two? South
1: Carolina.
0: South Carolina week two. Uh, And uh, Texas A&M beat Vanderbilt week one and lost to Alabama last week. We got Kellen Mond against Kyle Trask. And for this game, I'm going to go with the better quarterback. I think Kyle Trask is really better than Kellen Mond. I think that uh, Kyle Pitts is the best tight end in the country, and he's going to prove that this week. And I think Kellen Mond has struggled a little bit so far for Texas A&M. And I I got Florida winning this. I got him winning it by double digits this week over Texas A&M.
1: I got Florida going on the road 31-27. This is not much win for Jimbo Fisher, but he better show that his team can compete on the football field this week because Dan Mullen's third year head coach too, you know. Uh, and um we've seen what Dan Mullen's been able to do with Florida. He's revived this gator program. He's you know, um, and this was kind of the year. They, you know, um last year they had the number six overall recruiting class. Uh first year they had the third overall recruiting club Most of those guys are out here playing. Kellen Mines just look, you know, un, very uncomfortable in the pocket. I know last week it's Alabama. That was men against boys. It usually is when you play Alabama. They, they kind of hung around for half. half, you know, they but um did Kyle Pitts right now, all of his 12 catches, six first downs, six touchdowns. Uh, he runs like a wide receiver, too. He kind of reminds me of a Darren Wallen, a Waller. Hey, that's what he kind of reminds me of. i you know, this guy um, was benched last year, didn't get much playing time last year, and he really worked out and figured it out this offseason. Um, and Kyle Trash is a homecoming for him as well, so you know, guy that was not really recruited, but Florida should get the one on the road.
0: We got another, we got an ACC matchup in Chapel Hill as uh, the Virginia Tech Hokies head down to Chapel Hill to face uh, North Carolina, and in this game. Yes, uh, UNC hasn't played as well as expected, but I think this is the game where USC breaks out and plays well. I think you know, I think Sam Howell has a big game. I think that uh, UNC's defense does a decent job against Virginia Tech's offense. And Virginia Tech, their best corner opted out, so I do, I do like UNC winning this one. I like them winning it by by two scores as well.
1: I get UNC in a close one, 30 to twenty four. Their Virginia Tech D coordinator has been out with COVID, so he hasn't actually been at a game yet. Uh, I believe this week will be there, but I'm not 100% sure yet. Um, they're they're led on the ground. They're they're 19 rushing during uh, the 19 rushing yards the game right now, and they're led by two transfers: Caleb Hubbard from Kansas and Raheem Blackshear from Rutgers. Um, Braxton Burmeister, the <laughs> quarterback right now, he's a dual threat guy. But it, if you have to make him sit in the pocket and throw the ball, he's struggling You know, he's still learning. He's still, the arm's still kind of developing. He was nine for 25 last week. If he can get out of space, and it makes it'll make things a lot, lot harder for North Carolina. But they held on against BC for the Taros last week. They should be able to get at home, and I feel good. Taros at home right now. Um, they should go to three and eight.
0: We got the Red River rivalry on uh, Saturday, and yes, it's not the game we expected to have. You got Texas coming in at one and one, Oklahoma coming in at one and two. And I think this is a, obviously a close competitive game. I think it's going to be back and forth between Ellinger and Rattler. But I'm going to take the better quarterback here. I'm going to take the better quarterback in uh, Sam Ellinger and the coach that needs this game more in uh, Tom Herman. And I got Texas winning in a close one.
1: I get Texas 38 to 34 over the Horns. And expecting of um, you know a coach that needs it, he's not going anywhere. His buyout's 20 million dollars. So uh, unless if the bo- donors and boosters at Texas chip in and. Pay that themselves. I don't see Tom Herman going anywhere unless this thing turned into a complete disaster. But they beat themselves. They had 12 penalties last week. They couldn't get off the field in big spots on third down. Ellinger is way too inconsistent. Yeah, some drives he looks like an NFL-ready guy. You know, the next was the next one he looks like a true freshman that's never been out there before. Uh, they need consistency out of him. And since TCU's entered the Big 12, they are now two and seven against the Horn Frogs. You know, Herman wants to build this program back up, but you got to you gotta beat TCU. And there's six loss since he's been there against an um, unranked team. Um, but for OU, it's it's a really young team. It was kind of a re, retool year, just get guys some experience. Their first back-to-back regular season loss since it's 99, which was Bob Stoops' first year. The defense is struggling, especially on the ground. I think Texas will be able to pull it out. Um, you know, it... it I think Texas is gonna come out, pull this game out. Got an SEC matchup in Athens as Tennessee travels to Athens
0: to face Georgia. And I think this is gonna be a this is gonna be a game where Georgia, just like they did against uh against uh Auburn, win the game with their run game and their defense. And that's what I think they're gonna do against Tennessee. I think they're gonna be able to run the football, play good defense. And I got them winning by two scores and remaining undefeated.
1: Yeah, I get Georgia 24 to 14, and I think this could be really interesting early as uh, Georgia has the Tuscaloosa next Saturday night. So that may be in the back of their minds a bit. Um, but Tennessee's got some of the best offensive line in the country. Trey Smith, Kaden May is actually the Georgia transfer um that got uh waiver to play. Tennessee, you know, all, offensive line has played really well. And it's and it's helped out this rushing tackle of Ty, Ty Chandler and Eric Gray. And Jared Curtano has really has improved because of it. Um, hasn't made too many mistakes just being a game manager and it, it's really helped him as there's been a lot of question marks about him this should be a fun game in the trenches but um i really just like was, the way you like it yep yeah um i was wishing georgia auburn was a little bit closer last week but um but obviously we saw georgia's defensive line and that was that was impressive um the beat up a sec team like that and an auburn team and sets and bennett Looked 10 times better than Bonex. Um, he had pocket awareness uh, every time. He was not rattled. He sat back there, let play develop. I w- I was impressed. And he, he again, I know Bonex is under stress pretty much every play, but I I like I like Setson Bennett. He'll make enough plays to get the win.
0: We got the big game in Clemson as Miami heads uh, to Clemson to face the, the the Tigers this week, and I think this is going to be such a fun, interesting game to watch because you got two, you got Trevor Lawrence, the consensus number one pick, against De'Ara King, who's played really well for the Canes this year. I think De'Ara King has, has a good game. I think he's uh, on the ground and in the air, but I think Trevor Lawrence has a better game. And I think the biggest difference in this game is Miami's defensive end who opted out. Because that's going to be the guy who would have gotten pressure on Trevor Lawrence to kept this game a little closer. I think this is a fun game to watch. I think this game is going to be up and down a lot of points. But I got Clemson staying undefeated and winning 45-35.
1: I get Clemson winning this one 41 24. I don't think it to be that close. I think the way you have to beat Clemson is with big plays. You cannot drive down the field playing and play, you know, drive in and drive out. Um against Clemson's defense. And again, Brent Venables, D, he'll make adjustments. We saw that last year, kind of the college football playoffs. I know J.K. Dobbs got hurt, but really after that, they didn't, you know, Ohio State had a lot of trouble kind of moving that ball, you know, second quarter in the, in the second half. They they showed most of the game, you know. They had their opportunities, but I just think you need big plays. And I don't think that Miami, they have that Derek King. I just don't think that they have the wide receivers to do it. Their top guys, um, tight tight end Irvin Jordan, um, he's got 15 catches on the air. Um, that's kind of their big playmaker. I think, you know, they'll have success early, but I think venerable is going to make enough adjustments, and he's going to shut this um, Miami team down. And, you know, for, for the Canes on defense, they're need Quincy Roche to, to get to um, Trevor Lawrence. Again, pressure. They didn't look great in the first half Clemson. They let Virginia hang around, um, but they just have so many weapons – and I just think it's gonna to be tough to slow them down. I think Miami's really gonna struggle. And my we've seen Miami in big games when everyone kind of thinks they're back that they, they've kind of they haven't been able to answer the bell. And I think it's gonna be the same thing Saturday night.
0: Yeah, it should be interesting. It should be a really good Saturday of college football with all the uh, ranked teams going up against each other. But we gotta talk a little bit of hockey, just because we're Ranger fans, and th- and it was the NHL draft was last night, and the Rangers had the number one pick, and they drafted this this right. Help me out here, Alexis Lafreniere is that his name? Yep. Yeah. They drafted him with the number one overall pick. I don't know much about him. I hear he's really good. Is he going to live up to the hype for the Rangers? In your opinion, Justin?
1: I think so. What, I, what I've heard, you know, um, I think he will. Um, with Kako Kako on that line and Adrian Panarin, he, um, I, I think he will. Um, every all the reports, he's a guy plays hard, great goal scorer. Um, again, he's excited. You know, I don't know if you saw a picture, but. His, they had them all up in Times Square last night. Um, you know, P, you know it's it, it's exciting around New York, and um, I, I think he's the guy that's gonna <clears throat> help this team take the next step now and get out of this rebuild mode again. Obviously, coming in New York, it, it's gonna be tough. to fill The shoot. <clears throat> it's gonna be tough to come to New York with, with the media and all this. But I, I think this is the guy that's you know that has the confidence to do it, and I think he'll be able to do it. You know, everything I've heard. He's going to be a really, really um, good player. I heard uh, the comparison is Steven Samkos. And if he can turn out to be Steven Samkos, I think every Ranger will take that.
0: Oh, as a Rangers fan, I'd love to have him turn out to be Steven Samkos.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully it all worked out. And I think he's going to be a really, really fun player to watch. And uh, can't wait to see him out there.
0: So we're going to wrap the show talking a little WNBA because we had a local connection here. And last night the uh, Seattle Storm beat the Las Vegas Aces to win the WNBA championship. They beat the uh, Brianna Stewart, former U, obviously everyone knows former UConn uh, forward, uh, leads Seattle to uh, her to their second WNBA title in three years. Uh, so she's got two WNBA championships along with her four NCAA championships. Uh, also, we had everybody knows Sue Bird. Sue Bird was on the team as well. And uh, the, 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 this is—I think this is her fourth championship, being with the Seattle Storm. So she's been there for forever. She's been with the Storm forever. And then lastly, Morgan Tuck, who played with Brianna Stewart on those national championship teams, she was on the Seattle Storm too. So we had a local connection. The Storm winning the championship over the Aces, over uh, Asia—I uh, think uh, uh, Asia Wilson—and the Aces winning that game, ninety-two to uh, fifty-nine to win their fourth WNBA championship, second in three years. You check any of this out, Justin, last night?
1: Um, I watched a few minutes of it. Um, by the time I turned it on, it it was already a blowout. But um, and I did get to see a few minutes because I, you know, Brianna Stewart was so fun to watch at UConn, and obviously Sue Bird been around forever. Um, when does Brianna Stewart ever lose?
0: Never, 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 you know, never, never, never. No, you can't even think because last because the year before because in uh, two thousand I think two thousand nineteen yeah. last year she was out with the Tornadoes she was out so kills, like. Yeah. So, yeah, when did she ever lose that and ever not win the championship? It's like every year Brianna Stewart wins the championship.
1: Yeah, I don't know. She's uh, got Grayla, but, uh, you know, she's an uh, unbelievable player, you know. She, she's been such a great player at stores and, and now in Seattle, you know. So, guess we shouldn't be too surprised what, um, you know, the few you know minutes I've watched of each game, you know, they, they just totally dominated and, and you know, it, it kind of looks – Kind of reminds me of the old UConn team, just absolutely dominating everybody.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, and I think I think we probably have to say Deonna, Brianna Stewart might be one of the greatest, probably the, maybe the greatest women's basketball player ever. I mean, she's right up there with Tarassi and Maya Moore, right, right up there. I think she might be the greatest player ever right now. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah, she she's definitely making her case, and again, she's only been in the league for a few years now, so uh, it, it's pretty scary for the rest of the league. She's so pretty young. I think she will definitely make a case and definitely. Um, have a say for that one. you know, she uh, hangs them up.
0: Oh, absolutely. 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 So that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R&J. For Justin D'Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking about the baseball playoffs and week six of the NFL season. Have a great Columbus Day weekend, everybody.